Alberta's Influenza Immunization Program begins October 20th. Influenza immunization will be available, free of charge, to all Albertans six months of age and older. Immunization is offered at hundreds of AHS influenza immunization clinics, as well as some pharmacy and physician offices. To look up your local clinic and learn more about influenza, visit www.ahs.ca backslash influenza or download the free AHS mobile app through the Apple App Store for iPhone and through Google Play for Android devices. This is David Veach and you're listening to Passion for Health. This is your opportunity to hear from Alberta Health Services physicians and other healthcare providers, researchers, policymakers, community partners, and patients to hear their stories and insights about what's happening to improve Albertans' confidence and satisfaction in their healthcare system. October is a month of new seasons, the start of the NHL season, the start of the baseball postseason, and the start of influenza season, something today's guest knows a lot about. Dr. Stephen Sekrekos is Medical Director of Workplace Health and Safety for Alberta Health Services. Every October, he encourages the AHS workforce to get their influenza immunization and protect themselves, their colleagues, their loved ones, and the people they serve in our facilities. I started by asking him, why is it important for the AHS workforce to get their influenza immunization? There's lots of reasons for that. Um, Number one, we know that influenza is a very serious and common disease during the influenza season. We know that influenza can be acquired in healthcare settings. We know that healthcare workers play a role in transmission of influenza in healthcare settings. So healthcare worker immunization not only helps to protect our healthcare workforce, it also helps to protect the the patients that they care for. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, influenza virus itself. Can someone feel fine, not exhibit any symptoms, and still have the virus? It's certainly possible. We know with uh, influenza infection that you can potentially um, shed the virus, potentially transmit it, up to a day before you actually start feeling unwell and start having symptoms yourself. So it is uh, an unfortunate feature of influenza that you can be potentially spreading the illness before you even know that you're, you're ill with it. I came in here today feeling fine. We're here having a nice conversation. Um, is there a chance if I had influenza that I might be transmitting it to you right now? Not to scare you. <laughs> well, certainly. I mean, I think if you were symptomatic and, you know, coughing in my face and I'm only two feet away from you, that sort of thing, that's really be at a much greater risk. Uh, and, and it's fortunate that currently right now, at present, there's not a whole lot of influenza circulating in our community. But a couple months from now, if we're having this conversation, there's certainly a chance that you uh, could be infected. And if you're asymptomatic, maybe you are infected and just not showing symptoms yet. And there's certainly, yes, there's a small risk, but that's certainly that risk is present. So, so how can the virus be transmitted? So we know the virus is, is transmitted mostly through uh, sort of droplet spread. So as you cough, as you sneeze, you propel these droplets. And if I inhale those or those land in my mouth, for example, it's a very easy way to transmit it. If you um, cough on a surface or your, your hand is, is by your mouth and you touch a surface, then I that touch that surface and touch my eyes or touch my mouth, for example, it's an easy way for that virus then enter into my body and potentially infect me as well. So. Up to how many people could a healthcare provider interact with any, on any given day? So that, that number, I think, is probably quite variable. Different healthcare workers have different roles and in terms of the number of patients they might see in a day. But certainly, that's, it's probably safe to say that any single healthcare worker in the, in the conduct of their duties and in providing patient care kind of interactions with anywhere from you know dozens to maybe even hundreds of, uh, of patients in any given day, and then also many staff members as well. So many interactions uh, in a healthcare facility between not only patients but other staff members as well. Certainly, um, immunization is one of the, the best tools we have to try and prevent infection. It, we always have 
to combine immunization with, with other uh, aspects of infection prevention control as well, such as proper hand hygiene, uh, using contact and droplet precautions and so forth. So vaccination is part of that mix, but it's really a key component of that mix. And anything that would happen where healthcare workers at greater risk for infection, then you know, if they're infected, then they're at risk to, to others, whether it's staff members or patients and so forth. Absolutely. Uh, what percentage of the workforce last year was uh, immunized against influenza? Last year was our best year for immunization rates in AHS since AHS was formed. We had 64% of our staff who were immunized, which is fantastic. And we will hope to really better those numbers this year. And our goal this year is 80%. 80%, so four out of five. Yes. What is AHS doing to raise those numbers? Well, we're doing a lot. We have a, a pretty um, extensive communications campaign to try and raise awareness about uh, vaccination in terms of uh, education uh, support to our leaders to to make it uh, uh, immunization something that that's important for them and their staff. Uh, we certainly want to make the vaccine as convenient as possible. So we have a number of uh, clinics that are uh, in AHS sites, and as well, we have a strong site champion program which grows every year. And site champions are individuals who have the professional competency to administer vaccines. They receive a little bit of additional training from workplace health and safety, and then we distribute the vaccine to them so that they can essentially immunate their co-workers on the units they work on. It's a way of bringing the vaccine to staff as opposed to expecting staff to come to a, a fixed clinic that uh, they would have to then go wait in line for type of thing. Which they can still do. Absolutely, yeah. So we, we, we encourage whatever is, works best for people if they don't have a site champion or they can't find one, then certainly we have a number of clinics at, uh, at uh, certainly our major facilities and certainly our other facilities as well. So. What are the challenges of increasing the percentage of the AHS workforce that's getting their uh, influenza immunization this year? Well, I think there, there's certainly some some obstacles to people being immunized, and and there's been a number of uh, studies that have been done to sort of look at uh, healthcare worker you know attitudes and beliefs about immunization for influenza, and and what what might sort of cause people to decide, well, I'm I'm not going to be immunized or or and things like that. So there's a number of reasons that have come up. One of them is that uh, there's a, um, let's say, the concern of uh, potential harm from receiving the vaccine. So certainly people might agree that, you know, the vaccine is maybe good to protect themselves and, and there's a benefit to patients as well. But if there's a perception that the vaccine could potentially harm me, it certainly might dissuade people from being vaccinated. One, the one thing to keep in mind is that there's some common side effects from vaccination and there's some rare but potentially serious side effects as well. Common include things like uh, having a sore or, or painful uh, arm at the site where the injection took place. Unfortunately, it is a, an intramuscular injection. There is a needle going into you know the, the, the shoulder muscle and so forth. So we we can do a lot to make that uh, as comfortable as possible. Unfortunately, there's still a needle going into your body. It is going to hurt. And certainly the, the report noted that about 40 to 60% of people will complain, complain of so, some mild uh, you, know, you know pain and soreness at the injection site. That might, may last for a day or so, but certainly not something that would be you know disabling or, or of a concern that way. Another about 5 to 30% of people will complain about uh, redness and swelling at the site. But again, these are sort of minor uh, sort of side effects and they're fairly short-lived. So those are the common. And again, it's just a, it's a function of the fact that it is a, it's a vaccine senior injecting something into the muscle. Do we hear people saying that they don't want their immunization because of these common reasons? Typically not not commonly. The, the, a lot of the, the ones that typically will dissuade people from being immunized are sort of the rare but the serious ones. So things like you know, anaphylaxis or Guillain-Barre syndrome is another one that comes up quite commonly. And you say rare, what, what do you mean by rare? So when we say, talk about rare, we need to think about what a million people looks like. So if we were to take a million people who are immunized with influenza vaccine, on average, based on the studies that have been done, we'd expect that the risk is about one individual out of those million would develop Guillain-Barre syndrome, and maybe about two out of those million would have an anaphylactic reaction, a very serious allergic reaction. So it's it's rare, but it's not zero. Important to note that out. But in the context of sort of what um, how those numbers compare to other risks, 
the reason we give vaccine is to protect people from influenza infection. Uh, so out of a million people who are infected with influenza, we would expect about 17 of those individuals to develop Guillain-Barre syndrome, for example. So the risk from infection is 17 in a million, whereas for vaccination, it's one in a million. And the vaccination will actually protect you from infection. So when we look at the bigger picture in terms of balancing risks, if you're concerned about Guillain-Barre syndrome, for example, it makes much more sense to be immunized against influenza than to, to run the risk of being infected with influenza. What are some of the other reasons that you hear from uh, AH, the AHS workforce about why they have decided not to get immunized beyond those that cannot get immunized? Yeah. So another one that uh, is fairly commonly reported is uh, a concern that the influenza vaccine might cause influenza. Uh, this is actually a fairly, uh, it's not an uncommon belief actually, but it's, it's, it's not appropriate in the sense that the vaccine that we provide is an inactivated vaccine. What inactivated means is that there is no live virus in the vaccine that we provide. Um, if there's no live virus, it's impossible for the vaccine to actually cause a disease it's trying to prevent. The analogy I like to use is to think about um, a car that has no engines, no engine and no wheels. If you were to step into that vehicle and expect to drive to work, it wouldn't happen. It's the same with our influenza vaccine you're not going to receive that vaccine and expect to be infected with influenza. It just It's impossible. It can't happen. It's not a live vaccine. But when you're taking a look at the chances, if you have just got immunized, there's still a chance that you will still get ill from something else. I often hear people say, I got my influenza shot, and two days later, I got the stomach flu. Right. Knock this one out of the park. <laughs> well... The challenge is, well, first of all, stomach flu is completely different than influenza. That's it's a complete misnomer. It's not influenza. It's a, things like you know norovirus and other gastrointestinal infections, which cause diarrhea and so forth. So that's not influenza. So the challenge with influenza is the symptoms it produces are fairly nonspecific. So fever, you know, cough, muscle aches, things like that. But there are many other viruses that circulate around in any given winter season, which also have similar, uh, you know, produce a similar influenza-like illness, quote unquote, where similar, you know, fever, respiratory symptoms, and so forth. So the influenza vaccine won't protect you from those other viruses, but it will protect you from influenza. And one of the challenges, of course, is that we know the vaccine, unfortunately, is not 100% effective in protecting influenza. It's the average that, uh, again, National Advisory Committee on Immunizations, they did, again did a review of this. They say on average about 50 to 60% uh, effective in any given season. Oftentimes people, another reason why people sometimes neglect being immunized or choose not to be immunized is they see that number and think, well, 50 to 60%, it's not a very good vaccine, why should I bother? Um, and it's important to consider that the option is it's either 50 to 60 50 to 60% protection on average, or if you're not vaccinated, it's 0% protection from the vaccine. So even though 50 to 60% is not 100, certainly, it's way better than zero. So um, I don't think that necessarily because it's not 100% effective, that should dissuade people from being vaccinated. Any bit of additional protection is gonna help, so. Absolutely, and this is certainly relevant uh, after last year where mm -hmm. it came out that the uh, vaccine uh, covered two out of the three common strains that were going around last year seemed like everyone was focusing on the one strain that it didn't cover. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, I've heard it said that, you know, if you've seen one influenza season, you've seen one influenza season. So each season is different with respect to the, the strains that are circulating and, and, and what what's the dominant strain. Maybe there's more than one dominant strain and so forth. So we really sort of do the best that we can with respect to how the vaccine is formulated and so forth to try and prevent a very uh, the, the adverse 
effects of a very crafty virus in terms of how it interacts with, with people kind of thing. Certainly last year was uh, a very poor year with respect to the match and uh, the, the predominant circulating strain was not a good match to what was in the vaccine. The good news is that this year, I think the um, Centers for Disease Control in the U.S. Uh, published a report on September 18th looking at the circulating influenza strains that were around the globe in the southern hemisphere and other places from about May to September. And uh, what they found that the vaccine strains that are circulating in the globe right now are, are quite well matched to the vaccine strains which are in the vaccine this season. So it's anticipated that this year we should see much better vaccine performance than we did last year. One thing that kind of surprises me is um, that in terms of trying to get the numbers up within the workforce, uh, a lot of these individuals are healthcare providers. If they don't want to get their flu shot for whatever reason, is it almost more difficult to convince them than, let's say, a member of the general public that the, the vaccine is safe and it is effective? Well, I, I think it's, it's an excellent point. I mean, people look to healthcare workers to be the role models, and essentially, and if someone in the general public says, well, yeah, that healthcare worker is not going to be vaccinated and they're at greater risk and they could potentially, you know, harm patients and so forth, then, you know, why should I get vaccinated if they're not going to get vaccinated? So certainly there's that, that role model aspect as well. And, and, and I think certainly healthcare workers are looked up to uh, with respect and so forth, with respect to decisions that they make about protecting their own health and the health of others. So, um, I mean, one of the strong reasons that we, many reasons why we promote influenza immunization, but certainly in addition to protecting uh, staff and protecting their patients, is also that role model aspect of well, in, in terms of if we can also increase vaccination in the general public, uh, we, can, we sort of increase that sort of herd, herd immunity concept where the, there's less uh, risk of the vaccine being transmitted to multiple people kind of thing. So the more people are vaccinated, the better off we are, whether that's in a healthcare facility or in the general public. So. How do staff find out about the workplace health and safety um, immunization clinics? So those are, those are advertised fairly extensively and um, probably the, the easiest way to find them, if you simply go to Insight and in the search field type in influenza, one of the first matches is going to come up as our main workplace health and safety you know, homepage for influenza. And right at the top of the page, when you click on that, there's a sort of find a flu shot clinic button. You, you click on that and you can just simply enter in the, the facility you work in. Uh, and then it'll, you know, it'll then spit out all the clinics that are available at your site and the dates and times and so forth. So it's fairly easy to, to find a clinic uh, fairly quickly through, through Insight. From a workforce perspective though, what we ask people to do is if they're going to be immunized by either a pharmacist or a family physician, that they report that they've been immunized back to workplace health and safety. And the reason for this is let's say there's an outbreak, uh, influenza outbreak on a unit, we need to know very quickly who's immunized and who's not. If people who are immunized outside of a workplace health and safety clinic or, or outside of a public health clinic don't tell us they've been immunized, we don't know. So what we have on Insight, and again, it's on that um, it's on that main uh, workplace health and safety influenza Insight page, there's a link to something called a got my flu shot form. And what this is is simply it's a, it's an online PDF form and takes about 30 seconds to fill out, lets us know where you got the vaccine or what the date was and so forth. You fill this out, you see there's a little email button at the bottom left hand corner, click on that, it auto generates a, an email with the completed form attached, click send and you're done. It takes about 30 seconds of your time, but it's a very important 30 seconds of your time because it ensures that we have accurate um, uh, data with respect to who's been immunized and who hasn't, which certainly helps us with management of outbreaks, which is a lot of work and happens very quickly and we have information at our fingertips that runs much more smoothly. Talking about information at your fingertips, where can people find out more about the facts about influenza? 
lots of resources. Uh, in AHS, again, our, our Workplace Health and Safety Insight page has lots of links to additional resources. Our, our public health partners uh, on their website also have information that's available to the general public as well because Insight, of course, is only available to AHS staff. And beyond that, certainly there's additional information from Alberta Health, from the Public Health Agency of Canada, and so forth. But at your fingertips for, for AHS staff, at their fingertips, is everything is available through, through Insight, quite simply. So. Wonderful. Alberta Health Services Employee Influenza Immunization Clinics start October 5th. Eligible workers include employees, volunteers, and physicians with AHS-issued ID cards or AHS employee numbers, students who are completing a current clinical placement at an AHS facility, and contractors who have direct contact with AHS patients. AHS Public Influenza Immunization Clinics start on October 20th. This is David Veach, and you've been listening to Passion for Health, produced by Alberta Health Services. You can follow us at ahs.ca backslash podcast and provide your feedback and comments. We would love to hear from you.